and welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or How I Spent My Babysitter Money. I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And this week we're talking cats. <laughs> now, we haven't used There Are Thoughts in a while. <laughs> There's there some serious thoughts on this one. Honestly, if we were still doing the social media posts where we like had the picture and I came up with caption, which I kind of missed those, but this week's caption would have just been cats. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I here's what I will say. And literally I'm going to say this and we could probably end the podcast. Mm-hmm. Is the show the play. The play itself is absurdist theater. It's it is otherworldly. You are basically dropping into a moment of time in this planet. The movie tried to do that. It did not do it. It did not do a good job. Well, I mean, yeah, movie did not do a good job. No, because they, to me, and it wasn't like they just like picked up Cats the musical and put it on screen. They didn't, it's not quite like that, but they really didn't adapt it hard enough. And I feel like they didn't, they didn't have a strong enough thesis of why this needed to be on camera. They just, I mean, there was the cinematography didn't choose a side. I'm just going to go a lot more surface level than you. They just had like a right choice and a wrong choice for just about everything and constantly chose the wrong choice. I have never seen a movie that was this poorly thought out, I don't think. I'm I'm honestly thinking that the... Now, it's hard for me to compare these two, but this is almost at Holmes and Watson level for me. <laughs> but like I Holmes and Watson to me was worse because the this at least had like the choreography if nobody had said anything and this mm-hmm. was just like a 35 minute movie of dancing yeah it would have been awesome well, and that's the thing there are definitely better things about this than there were Holmes there's and Watson. nothing redeeming about Holmes and Watson no, but but what I'm saying is that like you make all these choices that seem to you as an audience member watching the show like, oh, I can't believe they made that choice. Like, both of the, that's what both of those movies have in common. I almost, I almost don't know if I can rate this movie. <laughs> I, I, we like stopped and got sushi afterwards. Which I and, do want to say for a little bit of housekeeping, we have, um, we've started making these date nights again. Because mm-hmm. for a while it was, our schedule's really tight. For a while it was like, see the movie, get home record an episode, didn't matter how hungry we were, didn't matter how tired we were, now we're getting a little bit more breathing room, so we grabbed dinner, Yeah, grabbed some sushi. And since then, I have still been trying to shake this movie. I know, you were definitely more quiet during dinner. <laughs> I, I wish I had words to put it in there. I mean, let, I guess, f- let's try and rate it, and then let's go into some more housekeeping. Uh, what are we going to rate it in? Uh, mutant cockroaches. Okay, that'll do. How many mutant cockroaches would you give this movie? I'm going to give it a two. I think I'm going to go right around two as well. Yeah. The only reason it's not a one is that, to me, the choreography was beautiful. It was. The moment with uh, Victoria's dance, which you know, Francesca Howard, uh, or Hayworth, I'm sorry, uh, or Hayward, what is her name? I'm going to need IMDb. Uh I'm going to say Hayward. Francesca- I think it's Hayward. Yeah, Francesca Hayward is the principal ballerina at the Royal Ballet Company. Yeah, it's clear. Yeah. 
she's it I, was amazing to watch her dance. I wish that she had better things going on around her in this movie. <laughs> but the dancing was great. Like, um, oh gosh, everybody's names just went. Um, okay, hold on. Uh, Robbie. Um, oh shoot. Let's see if I, I can pull it up. No, I just picked the wrong cats. Idiot. <laughs> uh, um, Robbie. Robbie Fairchild. He was. Um, he mm-hmm. was amazing. Yeah. Um, the Mr. Mistopheles I didn't love, uh, yeah. Lori Davidson. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mistopheles usually dances. Well, it seemed that this movie miscast a lot of people because there were a lot of people who shouldn't have been singing the way they were singing. And there were a lot of people who shouldn't have been dancing the way they were dancing. God bless Judy Dench. Yeah. Oh, I have so many things to say about Judy Dench's last song. Uh, <laughs> it was not... Uh, I'm looking at, um, Robbie Fairchild. Um, he's, I mean, he's a dancer. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's done just acting roles. Um, but, oh, and he did, um, he's like, he's produced some music videos and so he's an actor, but he's, uh, which was clear too, but he's also a phenomenal dancer. Mm -hmm. Uh, he was a joy to watch. Uh, for Ch- Francesca Hayward was a joy to watch, and that's about it. No, the dude, the tap dancing dude. Um, oh, uh, the train cat, because that's a thing. Yeah, hold on. Jason Derulo was weird. He was really weird. <laughs> it was weird. Um, yeah, we. We have never had the IMDb a movie this much right after seeing it before. Yeah. Anyway, the, I give it a two because the dancing alone was incredible, and the technical, the technical sound, and the sound design and the sound editing for this, I don't know how they did it. Um, and I really don't know, Jordan. Will you find out um, after you rate it? Mm-hmm. Rate it first. Let's find out. Did they record this like they did with Lay Miz? You know, I think they did. I would imagine they did. I can't find anything that says on there. No, th- this movie is such an unmitigated disaster that almost everybody is just tight-lipped about everything that went on behind it. Touche. Um, I, like I said, I'd give it a two. Um, I did not enjoy this movie. <laughs> I did not enjoy this movie. Like, it, it was a train wreck. I don't... Before I go into this, housekeeping, because I'm just going to get on a tear, I think, because I have so many thoughts about this movie. Should you just unload? Just unload. <sighs> just unload and just t- we'll take a deep breath. Or do you need a moment? I, I think I need a moment. Um, dog of the podcast. We've got two dogs of the podcast. Um, we are filming, or filming, Lord have mercy. We are recording this on New Year's Eve. We are. And spoiler alert, we are recording... As soon as we finish here, we're recording Star Wars right after. And you'll probably listen to them in reverse. Yep. <laughs> um, so there's there's big booms outside already. It just got dark. Um, and we've got two dogs of the podcast. We have a Charlie and a Madison. Friendly reminder that a lot of shelters um, tonight, um, a lot of doggies, 
and kitty cats run away from home from being scared. So you'll get this after New Year's, but, you know, little PSA, keep your sweet creatures inside and keep them safe. Um, and also, um, if you see a little creature running around, they might be microchipped. Um, and adopt, don't shop. Right. As always, every single week. Do we have a moment in film history today? Yes. Well, so what's kind of cool about it being um, New Year's Eve, um, we've got, and I'm going to do a different, I'm going to do Christmas Day All right. Uh, for Star Wars. Yeah. Um, 1943, NYC's Times Square greets Frank Sinatra at Paramount Theater. Well, well, well. So I thought that was pretty cool. It's Anthony Hopkins' birthday. Well, all right. And Ben Kingsley's birthday. Well, all right. Um, Both people who are known for Richard Attenborough movies. Well, there you have it. Mm -hmm. Um, And because we're doing a musical, 1923, Harry Tierney and Joseph McCarthy's musical Kid Boots, not to be mistaken with Kinky Boots, premieres in New York City. Well, okay. So, cats. Are we... uh, So, we have... I just... We do have a Madison in my lap. Mm-hmm. So if you hear snoring, <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. Um, all right. Are you composed? Are you ready? I mean, honestly, I don't even know where to start. This is kind of like when you're a kid and you're going to go play with Legos. And you just dump all the Legos out in front of you and it's like, go. And you're like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to build this Lego house right now because there's just so much that happened on screen that I'm still processing. <laughs> Um, let's start a little, little history of this movie. How about, okay. So obviously cats has been on Broadway for, or Broadway in London for almost 40 years. Uh, good for Andrew Lloyd Webber. I do not understand why, because these songs are awful. I, I find these songs to just be awful. And the movie, honestly, one of the biggest things that irked me is it sounded like they were just playing like what we would have sang along to uh, during rehearsal in high school for a musical. Yeah. Uh, because like... This this musical, so this is an 80s musical. Yeah, they didn't update any of the synthesizer sounds and that was really, it was really grating. It's like, just throw a reverb pedal on there or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Steven Spielberg originally wanted to do this movie, like, back in the early 90s. Okay. Uh, that's why he's still attached to it through Amblin. He was an executive producer on this. Right. Um, he was going to do it as an animated movie, which one thing you and I said is that this movie either needed to be really, like, heightened reality, practical, everything, and, like, almost gritty. Like, not, like, gritty, like like people got with their billion-dollar Joker movie. Uh, <laughs> well, this was a $95 million budget. And they spent it in the wrong places. They could have done this movie, I, I'm going to go big, for $30 million. Yeah. They could have, uh, maybe 50 because of all the names that they decided that they had to have. Yeah, but if they would have done it like that and like had it look a little on like the on like the homemade side, maybe... It needed, can I jump into some, some, I want to verify you mm-hmm. in the, in, um, I went to catsthemusical.com. Right. I went to the Broadway shows musical. Mm-hmm. Here's the history of the show. So when you go see, if you've never, if you've never seen cats, the show is around you, <laughs> you are in the show. And that's something that this movie 
fails. Nothing's real. Nothing is real. The, I, to me, the most successful parts of this movie were in the theater, when it stayed in the Egyptian theater, when mm-hmm. it stayed in there, not when it went to the railroad and it was so CGI'd, it was so gross. Yeah. Like, when it, when it was there, it was the most real, and it, that, so the essence of Cats. So I'm going to read you, this is from catsthemusical.com, if you go to the junkyard, I'm going to read you a little bit. So, when John Napier first created the Cat set back in November 1980, he planned to create a complete environmental space for the show that took the audience, quote, into a world which uses real objects to conjure up fantasy that they may at first find slightly disorienting and perhaps make them wonder what is going to happen and how. Well, the movie did that. Not in the way it planned. (laughs) Right. Um... He wanted to design a set that pulled the audience into the junkyard from the moment they entered the theater. His plan was to develop a, quote, world for cats. They would not only achieve a greater degree of intimacy with the audience than is possible in most conventional theaters, but would also point up the humor of the show and its occasional wackiness. And this is where the movie failed. There was no intimacy. Mm -mm. The camera couldn't decide what it was looking at. And in the show, you know, the mastery of theater is telling you where to look and when. Mm -hmm. And there are like these numbers were in the middle. This would have been a more successful VR experience Mm -hmm. than what it was. Um, So that's just to me. um, And also everything he they did. Everything in the musical is big. Mm-hmm. In the movie, everything seemed the same size. Well, except for whenever it drastically wasn't. Because right. the scale was all over the place it in this movie. It was all over the place. So that, that's my thing is if they had just created these sets and used less CGI mm-hmm. to transport everybody magically to places and all the, their world was not real. No. So Spielberg initially wanted to make this an animated movie. And then I guess he just lost interest because that's what Spielberg does. He says yes to like five movies at a time and then chooses the best one of those that he wants to do. That's why we got Christopher Nolan's Interstellar, for example. Yeah. Um, Which Spielberg now is actually working on West Side Story because he's always had an itch to do a musical. And I don't know what to expect from that, but we'll find out together. Um, Tom Hooper comes along. He apparently, his parents apparently took him to see it when he was like eight. And he was like, he said he wanted to make a movie that had the sense of wonder that he felt watching the stage play as an eight-year-old. Now, I am not eight years old. I don't know how an eight-year-old would take this. There were some kids in the theater with us. I could not. They did not have a good time. Did they not? I couldn't tell. I mean, the little girl behind us kept being like, what? I mean, she was basically giving her what in the hell is happening. And they didn't even stay until the very end. Yeah. Well, they left at the perfect time. We're going to get to Judy Dench's song. Uh, (laughs) So this movie, I mean, this movie is a meme at this point. I'm not telling y'all anything that you don't already know, but I'm just talking about it right now. This movie has apparently had... At least two, if not three different versions shipped to theaters in the week and a half that it's been out. Um, one was apparently on December 21st, there was a different version shipped to theaters that had updated uh, updated VFX. And apparently uh, it was reported, and this might just be hearsay because I haven't really read up on this, but apparently Tom Hooper 
made some edits to the movie and then shipped out another version. I um, want to see the original. Well, also, we, why don't we, they have noses? We might have seen the original. How do you know? Because of their hands. Yeah, they all had people hands. Yeah. Apparently, from what I understand, if you see Judy Dench's wedding ring, then you're seeing the original version. <gasps> so That was not her wedding ring, by the way. That's her that was her right hand. But I saw one on her left hand too. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Why other than the collars, the collars were fine. Mm-hmm. Why was anyone wearing jewelry? I didn't understand why some people were wearing jewelry, why some people were wearing coats. Um The the costumes make sense. It makes sense if everybody has an element of that. What that what the way that they did it, it's like well, some people are dressed and some people are just running around naked. I know. Gosh, when oh, when Idris Elba's jacket comes off and his costume leaves nothing for the imagination. Yeah, they they left oh, his abs defined. My God, and then and then Taylor Swift has has breasts. Yeah, and no one else and, does, and she shimmies them. Yeah, and you know what? I'm not saying to like take people's breasts away, but like they're cats. Yeah, they're cats. They're not supposed to be shaped like people. And if you are going to do it, then you need to really uh, stylize it a lot more. This movie, man, I'm I'm telling you, so many things kept popping in my head. I'm not going to remember any of these, but essentially every thought I had about this movie between the time we pressed record and whenever we left the theater, it was all like just Rodney Dangerfield one-liners, you know? Yeah. It's... It was horrifying. Um, yeah, so this movie at this point, like I said, there are two, possibly three different versions that have been shipped to theaters. Um, Do they then have cat paws? I don't know. I don't. I think that they might have at least just put like, you know, gloves. Kitten mittens. Kitten mittens, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to see the kitten mittens edit of this movie. <laughs> But this movie is on track to lose the studio a hundred million dollars. Well, what did yeah. we learn? I don't know. <laughs> this is like the end of a Coen Brothers movie. Nobody knows what they've learned. <laughs> <laughs> they know there's a lesson in there somewhere. They just don't know what it is. Yeah, I'm a little. I'm just a little baffled. Um, and why did they make us want to f- the cats? I don't know. The, here's a here's a positive thing I have to say about that though. Uh-huh. Is so the show, um, it is supposed to be feral. It's supposed to be animals and animalistic. So them, you know, naturally, it's like our dogs, like when they have affection for each other, mm-hmm. right? There's this just deep inanimate, like you're okay with your body. You're okay with how you look. You're okay with your quote sexuality, which it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. This is the theater geek. If you are a true musical theater nerd, you want to act in this. Yeah. You don't want to go always go see it. Maybe not, but you want to do it. Cause it's like all the, um, when I used to do, um, uh, when we, when I was first coming to Georgia in between stunt jobs, I would do technical work. So I'd like do light hangs and I would go and like sand stairs and Lito Tamez, who used to be the, uh, TD at seven stages, we were sanding these stairs for him. And he goes, we were, we asked, we're like, Hey Lito, is this, is this smooth enough? He goes, no, no, no. Remember, the actors are going to get up here and cat all over this. So it has to be that smooth. Like, rub your body on it. And mm-hmm. we were like, do they do that in the show? He goes, no, they don't do it in the show, but they're going to get up here and they're going to cat their body all around this. Yeah. And he was like, yes, they showed up to rehearsal and did that. So there's something like innately like sexual 
mm-hmm. about the nature of the show that I wish they hadn't decided to layer on additional sexuality. Yeah. Because it wasn't needed. And it was already inherently there. I can't imagine being like a 12-year-old kid who's just kind of like starting to go through hormonal changes and things like that and watching this movie and just we're going to have a if pe- more people would have seen this movie, we would have had a generation of kids with like the weirdest arousals ever. <laughs> um, so maybe it's good that this movie's losing a hundred million. You know what? And by the way, we're not really doing spoiler stuff on this episode because a the movie has borderline no plot because the show has borderline no plot. Well, there is no plot. Yeah. Again, it's absurdist. It's like you're you're inserted in this moment of time, and it happens that there is something about to happen. But. So we're so we're just kind of going through it as we go. Uh, and I don't know where I was going with that. Um, you said there's going to be a generation of children. I that are gonna said have a- that, and then I was going to make another point. Honestly, I have just have so many thoughts why, beehiving in my head right now. Why did Rebel Wilson have to unzip her body? That was just... To get close. That was like David Lynch weird. It was, and the fact that, that she did it twice. <clears throat> it became a plot point. It became, her unzipping her technical skin became a plot point to the movie. I know, it's weird. And from what I understand, the whole pirate ship thing didn't happen in the mu- in the original musical. Correct. Uh, from what I understood, yeah, like, Ian McKellen, <coughs> his character, Gus the Theater Cat, because again, these are things, apparently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's, in his song... There's like a 12-minute sequence of him acting as uh, Growl Tiger, the pirate cat. And they just decided to make him a character in this movie. Correct. Uh, and of course, he got his song. And then somebody else got their song. And somebody else got their song. And after a while, it just got to be too much. And now here's another thing that I'm going to say about this. Is I'm coming down really hard on this movie right now. You are. Uh, I do think a lot of the reasons I didn't like this movie was also because there's Madison bumping her head against the microphone. No, it's against my face. Um, <laughs> is because I think the music in this in this show is terrible. I do not like the music in this I don't show. Really, I don't really like um, his really famous one. Memory? No, the other musical. Oh, Phantom. I don't really like Phantom. Yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber, there there are parts of things that he does that I like, and I haven't seen Phantom since I saw it when I was like 10. We saw it at the Pantages in Toronto. Um, but the songs in this show, if it weren't a famous person who wrote it, I don't imagine the show would have ever been produced. Yeah. There's one line in there where James Corden is like, you know, well, that doesn't rhyme. And I'm like, no, you do not get to start criticizing these things about not rhyming. Yeah. Well, and a lot of like that wasn't that's not in the musical. Like, yeah. I, again, I really don't like I think it all comes down to the writing. They made choices that didn't they didn't they did, made choices that were not good for <laughs> I'm Madison. Madison, lay down. Um, lay down. They did not make good choices that were for screen. And that's what's... Like, it sucks. Well, the I'm, show is weird AF. Right. The he, show is already weird. I, I, almost, I started banging my head against my seat during that first song. The whole Jellicle song. None of it made sense. That is in the music. Uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. Is that, like, to be fair, this, this movie was probably never going to be for me. Um, but... Like, that first song, I was like, I did not know if I was going to be able to sit through the whole thing. 
Well, I did give you an out. You did, but I, honestly, what I thought was we made it through Holmes and Watson. We're making it through this. Yeah. Um, I didn't fall asleep in this. I did close my eyes a few times. I did too. Um, mostly when Ian McKellen was singing because Ian McKellen is wonderful, but I couldn't understand half the words he was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, <sighs> Can we say something that was really great? Yes. Jennifer Hudson's memory. Did not like it. <gasps> Why didn't you like it? For one thing, I want to know the movie that she thought she was in. Because <laughs> she was not in the same movie as everybody else. No. Um, and maybe that's how the show itself is written. Yeah, because that cat has already gone through its own little journey. Right. Um, so after the show... <laughs> what? <laughs> what? You are not having it. <laughs> But you know what? I'm having a good time not having it. You know, usually I'm the one who's like, that movie was garbage. Well, now I, now I see how you felt all summer. All summer. This is how I felt all summer. But the difference is I'm having more fun not being into this movie. That's fair. That's fair. Well, this one was, it's like, it's like, oh, well, the fireworks show, they all went off at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's, I'm sure the people down on the ground are mortified, but that was awfully fun for about 10 seconds. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this is a movie. It's greatest feat is nobody put a magnet onto the hard drive. <laughs> um, yeah. So I did not like Jennifer Hudson's memory. A, again, she was in a drastically different movie than everybody else was. Um, and it goes back to those first two previews that they did. The first preview, they took this thing so seriously. The tagline was actually, you will believe. Um, That's pathetic because the whole point of like the musical, mm-hmm. it, again, I keep going back because I believe they need to be two distinct mediums, right? Yeah. The musical isn't there to be like, ooh, this is real. It's like, didn't you experience something? Let me keep going on this train of thought, though, Go. because I've been losing a lot of my thoughts Go because there's it. so many of them. So <laughs> There are thoughts. Yeah. So that first preview, it took itself so seriously, and it even had her like belting the notes of memory in there, mm-hmm. and people were just like, what is this movie? I think they were saying the same things that you did. So you see the second trailer. By the way, the first trailer had that crazy, scary-looking CGI. The second trailer was not much better. The movie that we saw was not better. I don't know which version we ended up seeing, but there were lots of fingernails that I saw. We saw lots of fingernails. We saw wedding rings. Yeah. Um, but that that whole sequence was like... It was a showstopper, but not in the way I think they meant it. Because the whole time, it's like, I think they want it to be really whimsical. And in that second trailer, it was all like Rebel Wilson and crotch shots. And uh, there was a lot of really bad physical comedy in this movie. Oh, and that's atrociously where it, bad physical that's comedy. That's where it has a lot in common with Holmes and Watson. Is yeah. They both had atrocious physical comedy. Yeah. Um, but... Honestly, her performance of it after we left, you played the you played some of the stuff for like the uh, like the compilations on YouTube of like the Broadway show. Yeah, if you just Google um, Cats the Musical, yeah, Google Cats the Musical, like some really fun compilations come up for like trailers for people to come go see that year's yeah cast. But whoever they had singing Memory in both of those versions sang Jennifer Hudson under a table uh, because. Like, what am I trying to say? 
they didn't feel like they were working to belt it. They were just singing those high notes and it was it was just really, really good. And, you know, everybody gets tired of that song. But they sang it and I was like, oh, I would listen to them do the whole thing. Jennifer Hudson was, was a little American Idol-y to me. Well... And I know that's where like she got her start, but I've heard her sing other things. And her she, and Dreamgirls, oh yeah, yeah. This like whenever she belted it, she started doing ah, like like those are those glottals. Uh, glottals, yeah, that's a glottal. Where, where you kind of gravel up your voice, and it just stuck out to me. Um, Tom Hooper did Les Miserables, and he had those two brilliant sequences where uh, it was Hugh Jackman playing uh, Jean Valjean right before he turns his life around and the camera's just following him around the room while he's singing and then uh, I mean Les Mis I didn't love but Les Mis is great Les Mis is objectively good though even if you don't Les like Les Mis it. is objectively but, good like, and then there's a scene with Anne Hathaway doing uh, I Dreamed a Dream and I think from there he's like oh my thing's gonna be following the, following the actors around and let them figure yeah. out what to do also in fairness I just wanna say Les Mis is only the the reason I don't like it is Russell Crowe. Right, he's well so bad. And so far, that's been a consistent thing with Tom Hooper's musical is is casting people who can't sing into these parts. There was no reason Rebel Wilson should have been in this movie. No, uh, honestly, there's like James Corden is a super fun guy when you watch him on TV. Did not like him in this movie. Well, I I think that they. I liked the James Corden find in this, but they added some really terrible baloney to it. Yeah, well, you know. They just added baloney. They just, there was so much CGI, there was so many wire gags, there was all this stuff, and it was like, just let the actors, and if you need some stunt doubles, of course. Right. But like, just let them act on this set. Like, let them be, and film it. in and And film it in a way where we get to know this space. What was great in Les Mis is like, you were following and you could see it. You could smell how gross it was. Mm -hmm. This was the cleanest junkyard I've ever seen in my life. No one stank. No, like nothing. Why did we never see a cat bathe themselves either? I know, but we we watched them literally scratch their inner thighs. Yeah. And kick in the air. Judy Dench once had a scene where she scratched her inner thigh, and I wonder if there was. A- she didn't scratch her inner thigh; she just got happy and kicked her leg. Well, I've, I thought I saw her once like scratch herself, and I wondered if there was a moment where she was like, "This, this is what I've been working my entire career for." I don't know. Um, yeah. So skipping past, we normally take some time to do. Uh, we normally take some time to do. Uh, like, what did you think about the music? What did you think about the stunts? I think I can say it on here. Stunts, who cares? You couldn't tell that there were any stunts. It was so CGI. Music, it was just awful. The end. Yeah. I mean, did I did I capture that? Because I could not tell when something was stunted because it was all CGI. Yeah. It's like the third Hobbit movie. If you would have just had the balls to actually just animate it and not make us pretend like we can tell that they're not swinging sticks at cartoons? I, yeah. I just think that they needed, like you said, they needed they needed to go big or go home. And I think they kept thinking that. And uh, I just sent a text to a friend, um, and I think that if they had, if this was a 35-minute dance piece with weird, with weird music, it would have been awesome. Yeah. Again, you get to watch the Royal Ballet's principal dancer 
dance. Yeah. And it's stunning. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. Uh, let's see. Should we take a break? Let's take a break. Let's take a breather. Because <laughs> um, we we're going to spiral soon. Uh, we, we haven't already? Touche. <laughs> Touche. I feel like I am just free falling from the sky with as many thoughts as I have on this movie. Fair enough. I mean, you're not you're not spiraling as bad as you did with the Grinch last Christmas. So yeah, um, there was no place where I ever thought, do the cats know about nine eleven in this movie? <laughs> that's good, and that should be a really low bar for like a family movie to pass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no one seemed to have a good time in the theater. No. Um, well, let's take a break and let's talk Judy Dench, and we'll see if, if we have anything else to talk about. Yeah. Woof. Have you ever looked at all those Insta celebrities and been like, where do you get your raw jewelry because it's gorgeous? Or where did you get that female empowerment shirt because I need one? But then you think to yourself, I don't wanna go shopping because it's too selfish. What if I could tell you you could get awesome apparel, awesome jewelry, and it gives back? You need to check out Rock's Jewelry Shop. That's right, Rock's, R-O-X. Rock's Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry, and I just got a shirt that says, those females are strong as hell. Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rock's Jewelry Shop online, and with code DATENIGHT, you'll get 15% off. So head on over to Rock's, R-O-X, Jewelry Shop.com, code DATENIGHT for 15% off. And we are back, talking cats. A cat is not a dog. A cat is not a dog. Um, also, As Judy Dench stared into my soul and told me at the end of this movie. Also, in this movie, you get Ian McKellen going meow meow meow. You also meow, get meow 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 meow. I fully expected them to like bring out Mike Myers and start singing the meow mix song at some point in this movie. Because <laughs> honestly, where else could you go? I don't know. You know, it's sad though too because like oh, sorry, oh, Charlie. he stepped on the bear. Nobody sets out to make a bad movie, and we've said that so many times on this podcast. And this was obviously a project that Tom Hooper felt a lot of personal affection towards. Right. Uh, you know, we're sitting here talking about the awful VFX and everything, but like th- those people didn't stay, didn't work seventy-hour weeks to do that. It's just the way things happened, and it sucks. And I hate just like dogging on somebody's hard work but at the same time when something is as just objectively bad as this movie was i just don't have much else to say about it well it sucks too um you know as far as the casting goes there were people who got to truly truly shine that aren't quote names mm-hmm. and these are people who got to shine yeah and i feel like they were oh like i really wish they would have cast no names because yeah. if they had cast truly people who were, this movie would have been fine with a name or two. Mm-hmm. Leave Jennifer Hudson. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know you didn't love it, but leave it. They Well, they, that was the most forgivable thing that I didn't like. But there were so, there, this, it was, a lot was really, really bad. And it was usually the name actors Mm-hmm. Because it was the people who were true musical theater performers and the chorus. Yeah. That, yes, this movie is grade A weird. Mm-hmm. It is weird. The director did not have a strong enough thesis other than put cats on camera. 
Yeah. Right. The director, the, the cinematography couldn't pick a lane. It made no definitive story choices. At the, at the very end of the movie, uh, when Judy Dench is singing her song, she's just staring at you for almost the entire length of the song, except for whenever the chorus just repeats what she just said. Yes. Um, I looked over at you and I was like, really, they pick now to have the camera stop moving? I know. And it just, this, this, there was not, this movie wasn't going to save itself. This movie... Oh, what if David Lynch did this movie? <laughs> wow. What if David Lynch? Because this is supposed I, to be take place in a junkyard. Yeah, I'm not convinced that he didn't guest direct the Rebel Wilson song. She unzipped her skin and started <laughs> and started eating cockroaches with human faces. Yeah, I was not okay with that. Yeah, and I'm scared of a cockroach. Mm-hmm. A cockroach gets in the house. It's winning. It's winning at life. I, I was, I, I'm not okay. I, I am not okay after this movie. Um, to pull a Jason Manzoukas quote, top to bottom, T to B, I did not enjoy this movie. <laughs> what movie did he say that about? Uh, the Garbage Pail Kids, the movie. Oh my God. <laughs> and honestly, yeah, that's a pretty good companion piece to this movie. T to B, <laughs> I did not enjoy this movie. Uh, I, I saw the redeeming qualities of this movie, mm-hmm. um, mainly because I thought the dancing was all. When, like, they, when they let Francesca Hayward just dance... It was mesmerizing. I will say that. I'll say this again. In the theater, when the camera decided that it was going to live in this place and they weren't going to magically transport from place to place, um, you got an idea of what that theater was. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the sequences in there were really stellar. It's when it moved out of it or they magically appeared places. It was like, where is everyone? Yeah. Um, That was redeeming. And I loved... Like we saw, there was some true talent in this. You, like, some you know, some people got some really big contracts. It just sucks that they were overshadowed by so much suckage because this yeah. movie was always going to be weird and not going to be people's cup of tea. Why, in the name of the goddess of filmmaking, they spent ninety five million dollars on this? I will never. Ever the musical on Broadway, they are still wearing eighty spandex. And you know the thing about that ninety-five million dollars too is, I bet you that doesn't take into account it. When the reported budgets never take into account marketing. No. Um. So there's more money there. I can almost guarantee you that doesn't take into account them having to go back and keep fixing all the CGI. No, probably not. Um, also, why, why, why do they not have black noses? Or oh, pink no. noses. Black or pink, I don't know. You, you remember right after that first awful trailer came out and somebody was like, hey, fixed it. And they literally <laughs> just like put drew a, a nose. Well, no, they did the cat Snapchat filter on it. And it was like, yeah, that actually really works. Fixed it. Uh, so I honestly feel that, and of course, my feelings about the songs in the show aside, again, the everything sounded dated in this movie. Like the orchestration, uh, it sounded like a lot of it was on like fake strings and stuff like that. But all the synthesizers in there, uh, most of the sounds were just straight up like 
straight up 80s sounds and Andrew Lloyd Webber's 80s synth sounds are literally just turning something on, dialing a couple of knobs and going. You're literally hearing a naked sound whenever he plays that. Yeah. Um, which is fine. It works for him. And then you get like the John Carpenter-esque-ness of, uh, of Phantom of the Opera and that's fine. But, and then again, the Jellicle song, the first song, I hated but after that, I actually felt like this movie started off with a pretty strong, like, oh, this is what we're going to do with it. And then it just completely went off the rails. Like, the first scene where uh, Victoria, Francesca Hayward's cat, is, like, r- just, like, trying to find somebody to ha- just somebody to be with, somebody to partner with, somebody that is going to help take care of her. And then, like, those cats are... Like they're they're stopping her from going into the group through the uh, through the gate and then questioning her and then like as you're kind of learning about these things, I honestly felt like okay maybe there's a way they can pull this off and people are just being unfair to this movie. But as it went on, it just got crazier and stupider, but not lover. <laughs> um, yeah, and it just it was just baffling to me, and it. It just kept going off the rails and going off the rails. So, you, so they send, uh, they send Grizabella, Jennifer Hudson's character, off to Cat Heaven or whatever it is. Which, by the way, that scene cracked me up. So, memory, the only time that song ever gets me is whenever I don't think of it as a person singing it. Whenever I think of it as like an old cat just living on the street. Oh, and and from, totally. From there, the song will get you, but. I was already in that moment for the song because I was like, please let me feel something else besides bewilderment and hate for this movie. <laughs> so I allowed myself to get caught up in it, even though I, I just didn't like that part. But then they put her in that hot air balloon and all I could think of were just a bunch of cats putting another cat in the hot air balloon and sending it <laughs> off. <laughs> and I kind of wish that they would have like, it, it would have pulled like a Lego movie at the end of it and had it like pull back and realize, oh, the... Like in the Lego movie, it pulls back and it's like, oh, these are just Legos in a kid's playset. Where this is like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, here are just a bunch of kittens. And then there's one flying away in a balloon. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Jordan. Yes. I just found some gold. What's that? So I'm reading, an, uh, this is an article on Polygon.com. The title of is, What the Hell is Cats? A Meowthful of Everything You Need to Know by Simone de Rochefort. Um so far, is a pretty great uh, article. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with, The Broadway musical Cats has once again been filmed for our entertainment, but the new musical film starring Taylor Swift and Idris Elba, who they were not the stars. No. F- far. From, yeah. I mean, McCavity is McCavity, like, but Taylor Swift, not the star. Yeah. Also, I don't know how to feel about it. She had one number. Uh, it was fine. She... Did we're, you? We're gonna get back to the two of them after this. But what are you gonna say? Well, I also want to say Taylor Swift. Did you notice that throughout the dance number, they kept cutting away? Oh yeah. Because you can't put her next to professional dancers. No. Anyway, in in a film version on a live stage, get away with it. Yeah. All she has to do is gesture live. Yeah, but. Starring Taylor Swift and Idris Elba will be much different than the VHS version I inexplicably owned as a child. So this is it, it tells you a little bit more about the history of cats. Apparently, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber had to re-mortgage um, his house. Oh, poor guy. I, are you being facetious? N- no, I'm not. Well, to get this made, he refinanced his house. Um... So we're about to see Phantom of the Opera 3. 
No, no, this is the original in oh. 1981 on the West oh, End. Oh, okay. I thought that, like, because he's a producer on this movie. Oh, And no, I was no. like, I thought Dude was worth, like, $100 million. Well. Uh, so, okay. I feel I feel a little... I thought that he had mortgaged his house to make this movie that's about to lose $100 million. No, no, not this. Um, but... Um, I'm skipping around in this article. We do not yet know the long-term effect of cats on the children who discovered it on VHS, but speaking only for myself, it made me bisexual. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm going to keep reading this article. What do you... So there are a few places that I want to hit up right now. Again, I know I'm all over the place on this movie right now. Um, oh, by the way, he- um, heavy side layer, the cat equivalent of heaven, is to be reborn as a younger, hotter cat. There you have it. Okay. Continue on. Man, that, that just sent me off track again. <laughs> um, yeah. Talking about McCavity and Bomberlina, which is Idris Elba and Taylor Swift. Uh, they started off like, I was like, okay, I can be done with what Idris Elba is doing here. Uh, and then he, he just progressively got sillier and sillier, and I think that was genuinely a problem with the script because I guess McCavity making everybody disappear—that's uh, an invention of the movie, right? Yeah. Okay, so 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 yeah. they could go to the barge that also yeah. is a that that whole thing. Yeah, he just kept getting sillier and sillier. Taylor Swift just shows up and gives gets everybody high on cocaine, uh, which yeah yeah, and then sings her song, which is fine. Uh, it, it didn't sound like it was a very hard song for her to sing. Uh, what did you just read? It's just going to support your Taylor Swift, what you were... In the stage musical, the performers dress in tight fur pattern suits with fuzzy collars, arm warmers, leg warmers, and fuzzy headpieces with ears. They wear cat face paint. These extremely tight cat suits are the source of much childhood confusion or distress surrounding the cat's VHS. In the film, there are no cat suits or face paint. The cat fur, tails, ears, and whiskers are added digitally. It was one of the coolest things I've seen, Taylor Swift, who plays Bomblerina, told Entertainment Weekly. I want to know what else Taylor Swift has seen. <laughs> I yeah, her musical number was not good. It was like I would have expected that from a lesser director, like somebody who would watched the sexy Mary Poppins part of Mary Poppins Returns and be like, "Oh, I can do that," and can't. Yeah. Um, I saw th- this one was harsh, but I saw somebody on Twitter ask, "Can you make a movie so bad that they revoke your Oscar?" Asking for Tom Hooper. Yeah. I mean, I I genuinely want to see where his career goes after this because, like, I'm not rooting for him to be like, "Oh, he'll never work again," you know. But this does. I've said this many times on the podcast, I think, is that I heard a director's roundtable that The Hollywood Reporter did, because they used to do those and put them up on YouTube. I don't know what happened with them. They used to do, like, directors, writers, actors, composers. It was awesome. Uh, But they asked him, it was something along the lines of, and this is all, like, just from memory from a few years ago. 
uh, it was something along the lines of asking him about like, you know, why do you choose to make heady movies or something like that? And he said something along the lines of, well, I don't set out to make heady movies. I set out to entertain people. And even then I was just like, okay, King's Speech, Les Miserables, The Danish Girl, those are not just entertaining movies. And this those are heady movies. And this solidifies that I don't think Tom Hooper knows what entertainment is. No. Yeah. Um, let's finally talk about the Judy Dench song at the end. First of all, okay. first of all, uh, McCavity is left on top of that statue in the middle of Trafalgar Square. I know. Uh, and uh, so I'm just like, all right, that cat's dead. There's no way for that cat to get down from there. I so, know. So they still killed McCavity without killing him, which I th- thought was a cowardly way out. Because um, they obviously wanted to set it up like he has a Disney death. But then they, the, then he's just on top of the statue and he's like, no, you took the coward's way out. But so they do this song where it's Judy Dench wrapping up the, the show. Basically like what you saw had a point. Yeah, which it didn't. You're a liar, Judy Dench, and you're an even bigger liar, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, but I'm assuming that in the theater that makes more sense because if the show is as inter- like audience interactive as you're talking about it, then it makes sense that they're addressing the audience. This whole time, we were never a part of this movie, and she spends the last five minutes of this movie staring at you like one of those paintings where the eyes follow you wherever it goes. Yeah. Uh, and doing this thing, and it's like, so now you know what kind of cats there are. And I don't think you're going to get confused again. But if you are, a cat is not a dog. And then it just keeps going and going and going and going. And then the chorus comes in, and it's just them repeating whatever she said. I think they literally repeated, a cat is not a dog. Sure did. Uh, and then it keeps going and going and going and going. And then they start licking each other. And I was waiting for some interesting shenanigans to break out. <laughs> but they didn't. Um had I directed this movie, I would have chosen to make that song like a montage of just the cats doing cat things. Um, as yeah. much as this movie was capable of doing. Well, I honestly probably would have then showed them all going to bed. Yeah, but like have it be something where there are things going on. And th- it, what it looked like to me was this this shot, it's almost like he was like, oh, well, we're going to film some other stuff to intercut there later, and then just never did, and they were like, oh, well, just throw that up there. We got to get it out in theaters. Yeah. I cannot stress enough how shaken I am by this movie. Like, (laughs) I'm not disturbed in the way that, like, you are if you see, like, a super, like, disturbing horror movie or something like that. I'm not as angry as, like certain people got about once upon a time in Hollywood. Oh, um, some people, <laughs> I was going to give you an out, not to, not to, well, I'm, I, I still am mad at that movie. Yeah. So, um, to me, cause that, that movie, uh, I honestly don't think I'm ever going to, I, I'm going to need a lot of convincing to see another Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah. Well, supposedly he only has one more in him. He always said he wanted to stop after 10 movies. So, he can be done now. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. That one just showed all of Quentin Tarantino's tricks, but we'll talk about that more in our recap episode. Um, but yeah, so I'm not disturbed. I'm not angry. I just don't know what I saw, and not in a good way. Like, you watch, you watch a David Lynch movie, and you're just along for the ride. You don't always understand why he does everything. There are plot threads that don't go anywhere because that's just his filmmaking style. But it is 100% his style, and he made those choices, so you, it's easier for you to get on board with it. Yeah. Uh, this one, 
not even from a, the perspective of I don't like the music in Cats, um, that there were just weird choices that were made. This one, I don't think, I think it suffered from not a lack of creative vision, but just the wrong creative vision. Yeah. It, every point in there was like, oh, I see the other choice they could have made. The other choice would have been better. As an audience member, you shouldn't be thinking that. Agreed. Um, I think I'm starting to get in a spiral point. Oh, I, one other thing I did want to say, though. So, And I said this to you when we were uh, having dinner. is This is a lot like my Curiosity movie of last year. Um, <gasps> That's right. I mentioned this in a couple episodes, at least in the recap episode last year. So if you haven't seen that, uh, go see, go listen to our uh, 2018 review. We'll be doing another one in another couple of weeks for 2019. Um, but last year, my curiosity movie was Lars von Trier's The House That Jack Built. I didn't see it. Yeah. That's right. So I had been reading about that movie because it, it had gotten a lot of controversy. I had read about some of the content that was in there and it was like super disturbing. But I just got obsessed with this movie, similar to the way that I've just been obsessed with the saga of cats lately. That's true. You um, have been on Twitter a lot lately. But I, uh, you were off doing a job somewhere, and then you, uh, you left early. So I woke up, and at 10 in the morning, the day that it got on digital release, I rented the house that Jack built on iTunes, just because I had to see it at that point. And it was disturbing. I never really want to see it again. But it was my curiosity movie. That's kind of the way I feel about Cats in a very different way. The only difference is that uh, this one doesn't have uh, prolonged scenes of mutilated women in it. Uh, And then plays it for laughs, which is a big problem with that movie. This one plays a lot of things for laughs that I don't think are funny, but I very much question the sense of humor in every person involved in making this movie. And again, please stop trying to convince me that Rebel Wilson is funny. I just don't think she's funny. Totally fair. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts? Because I, I, I think I'm dry. I don't. I think this is it. It's weird. Would you recommend people go see this movie? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's the other thing about this, though. The flip side to everything I've said is that I needed to pee really bad from about 20 <laughs> minutes into this movie, and I refused to go because I didn't want to stop watching it. I think you should absolutely see it. If you're the type of person, like, if you're like me and you're a How Did This Get Made fan, you're like, oh, I can't wait till they do this movie that I've always loved to hate. I think you should see this movie. But it is baffling to me that they made a $95 million movie that was destined to be only appreciated by the super, super, super theater nerds or people who like cult movies. Because this is a movie that is definitely designed to be a cult movie. Oh, I would like, we were stone cold sober, y'all. Yeah. Don't be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't be. Get yourself a little bit of California creativity. <laughs> and, uh, and y- you know what? Maybe that's just a way we need to see this movie sometime. Oh, man. Is it going to be like a Rocky Horror where people dress up like cats? Honestly, and they do parts of this movie? That would probably be a blast. We should go see a double feature of The Room and Cats. Oh, I keep thinking Room. I'm um, like, no. <laughs> definitely not Room. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I would say go see this movie for the experience, but I would be very surprised if many people enjoyed it. I have, I know one person who has enjoyed this movie. You do? Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's, uh, she's one of the fairies in Labyrinth and I worked with her a few times on the, 
in like the anime stuff this year. Uh, she is she's like this movie is not made for you it's made for me like she is dying on this hill okay yeah may may she rest in peace (laughs) you know what i'm glad somebody likes it because again a lot of people worked hard on this movie i just can't figure out what they did man being high as a kite dressed up like a cat though and going to a music box theater i bet this is fun yeah i mean (laughs) that may be the only way we watch this movie again yeah (laughs) that's pretty great well, anyway, um, yeah, I think we're about to spiral into cat heaven, and um, I've got a very snuggly dog. You do. Let's take a breather, because we need to record Star Wars now. Yes. So, you'll either have listened... If you're listening to this, it's probably you're getting all messed up and all that good stuff. It doesn't but matter. They're not sequels to each other. No. No. Not remotely. And we're going to take care of these baby dogs a little bit, and yeah, cats. Woof. (laughs) No, they're not a dog. I don't know. Judy Dench stared so deeply into my soul, I kind of want to just do the opposite of whatever she said because I'm afraid she'll have a hold on me. She already does. Yeah. Anyway, with that being said, I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. See you next time.